Is it working? Great. Hi. Dismiss the kids. Children, you are dismissed. <laughs> that was an honor. Thanks. And um, only a couple more times and we will be dismissing them to someone other than Jane. That is hard to believe. I am so thankful for Jane's ministry for all these years. Um, yeah, amen. So if you saw me limp up the stairs a little bit, that is not an exotic missionary injury. That is an ordinary Philadelphia injury because before we got to Illinois, we were able to go to the East Coast and we saw our son Patrick in Philadelphia. Patrick spent the first 13 of years of his life in this congregation. And so some of you might remember him. Now he's an architect in Philadelphia, but he has a passion early in the morning before he goes to work, he likes to skateboard. And it's, it makes me smile. I remember when I started skateboarding long before skateboarding was cool, like when I was about 12 and then um, I brought a skateboard to the Czech Republic and sometimes skateboarded to work. And I kind of like to think I infected my son with this passion. Now he's really, really good. And he gets up about 6.30 in the morning to go to a really great skate park. And he said to me on one of our last days in Philadelphia, Dad, I don't know if you want to, but would you like to come with me to my favorite skate park at 6.30 in the morning? And what do you think I would do? I'm a dad. I haven't seen my son for a couple years. Like, oh, no, son, I'd like to sleep in. No, I got up early. We went to the skate park. I watched him do amazing tricks. I took 100 photographs. I filmed them. And then he said, do you want to get on the skateboard and try something? And of course I said yes. And uh, he was just doing these amazing things, going over these humps and stuff. And so I just started up. And then he said, now, you know, that's new word, new vocabulary word. You know, that's Mongo, don't you? I didn't know this word. <laughs> what does that mean? He's like, well, your footing is like a, a beginner. It's very Mongo. No, that's okay, Dad. That's okay, fine. And then with a lot of work, I got over a hump and over the other side. And I did fall a couple times and I did something to my ankle. But it was so exciting to be with my son doing what he loves early in the morning, just a secret between the two of us. Later um, in that week, I met somebody at another church uh, out on the East Coast. And this fellow said, how is Patrick? I pray for him every day. This gentleman, I don't think he's met Patrick, but once in his life, and it was 12 years ago. But just a couple weeks ago, this man, his name's Andrew, he said, I pray for your son, Patrick, every day. Wow, thank you so much. There are people here who saw me just this morning, and they said, I pray for you regularly. I pray for your family. I pray for your school regularly, every week, every day. Thank you. Thank you for getting us over there in the first place. That's why we're there, because of this community. Thank you for sustaining us, and thank you for praying for us. I would like to be that kind of a prayer warrior. These men and women are really inspiring me. And I see in the scripture this, this challenge for us to pray continuously. 
I'll just remind you of a couple places where Paul, the Apostle Paul, talks about praying continuously. He says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16, 17, 18, he says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. And in Ephesians 6, 18, after describing the armor, the spiritual armor that we need, he says, um, we should be praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I'm going to confess to you those words really challenge me. All, continuously, without ceasing, all the time. That's a challenge for me. I've often wondered exactly what does it mean. I've asked friends. I had one friend who had a mathematical idea about it, and he said, okay, what if every two minutes you gave 10 seconds thought to God? And that kind of freaked me out a little bit, although I realize um, when I'm about to purchase a new electronic device, I think it is possible that every two minutes I spend 10 20 seconds thinking about the purchase that I'm about to buy. So maybe, but I also know that I'm a very obsessive person, and if, if, if it was, if it was a, uh, a system that I had to fit, like every two minutes do this, I think it, I would probably drive myself crazy. I'd certainly drive my family crazy. I had a, a conversation just yesterday with somebody who said, I think pray without, pray, pray without ceasing means it's a, it's a state of mind. It's a mindfulness. It's, um, it's like um, living in the moment. And I respected that, but I'm also looking at some of the things Paul said, and I think, I think it's a little more. For example, in Philippians, at the beginning of Philippians, Paul writes, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. In Ephesians chapter 1, he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So there's something, there's some kind of a life of prayer we could live. It's, it's not just mindfulness, and it's certainly not a check in your watch every two minutes, but it's, it's something about a warrior life of constantly praying for one another. And I'm going to share with you today, I don't think I've arrived yet. And what I'd like to do this morning is share with you some of the struggles and some of the growth I've experienced in the last couple years on this score. I sometimes face real setbacks in my prayer life. Sometimes I go through a time of real darkness or I feel real resistance or just muddiness or muckiness. And I'd like to share that with you. I'd like to share a couple things that I think I've discovered that are helping me right now. I'm not going to share with you a magic solution. Um, each one of us is different. Each one of us has different gifts. And so the kind of prayer solution that's going to work for you, that's going to build your spiritual muscles, the kind of prayer life awaiting you this very day, this very week, will probably look different than mine. Prayer can be so diverse. Did you ever notice uh, Nehemiah? Did you ever hear this? I'm not sure if this is technically correct, but somebody told me once that Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, and the man, Nehemiah, are examples of the shortest prayer in the Bible and the longest prayer in the Bible. Same book. Did you ever hear that? So here's what I think is the shortest prayer in the Bible. When, when he was bearing the cup to the king, and the king's like, you don't look so good, what's wrong? It says, he prayed, 
Uh, I prayed. He's speaking in the first person. I prayed, and then immediately he answered. So that must have been a split-second prayer. So that, that's legitimate. That's real. That's spiritual warfare. But then again, in Nehemiah 9, after a great gathering of the Jewish people in Jerusalem, there's a very long prayer. It goes on for many verses. It's very formal. That's legitimate too. Wow, with all these opportunities for prayer, I've been trying, I've been trying some bizarre things, and I'm going to share them with you. About two and a half years ago, three years ago, I started praying with a prayer journal. Um, I know this is not revolutionary. A lot of you probably do that. But for me, it was revolutionary because I really wanted to be a better prayer warrior. I wanted to pray for my friends at North Suburban and in other churches and all over the place. And so I got a prayer journal and I started, um, I did it by uh, topic. So I had um, a Midwest United States page and I had an East Coast United States page and I had different pages, international politics page. And I, I would write down things that I prayed for, and then when I went back to them and prayed for them again, I would check them off. And soon, my notebook would fill up with these prayer requests and these ideas, and I would pray over them. And that worked for me for quite a long time. It worked really well. I wonder if any of you use that system or do something like that. That worked for me really well for a while, but it did break down, and I thought I might share with you why the system broke down. There was, a, there was a chunk of pride there, okay? I even thought about bringing you some of my amazing prayer journals to show you. See the pride right there? Like, I have a record of what a great prayer warrior I am. So I'm afraid that let some of the darkness in right there, my own pride. Um, also, I became, I became obsessed with the book. I, ne I needed the book. And when I was in the hospital at the beginning of 2020, uh, I was there for in and out for most of January, February, and March because my intestines shut down, and many of you guys prayed me through that. It was really horrible. But when I was there, I, I it didn't feel much like writing in notebooks, and I didn't bring all the notebooks. And, um, and so for me, the pride thing was the worst, but also being, chained, being, being stuck with a, an actual notebook in my hand was a bit of a problem. Nevertheless, I still think some of you who've never tried it, you might want to try it. I wonder why the Bible is full, especially the Old Testament, is full of all those lists, exactly how many people, exactly how many, how many tribes and, and how many members of each tribe. Maybe it's because there is an aspect to the spiritual life that takes note, list, name by name, list by list. You might want to try it. You might. It lasted for quite a while for me. And then about the time that I was in the hospital, uh, I kind of quit the notebook thing. When I was in the hospital... There were a couple uh, nights when I was in so much pain, the, the medicine wouldn't work, nothing would work. I was in so much pain, I thought, I'm going to be up all night. I might as well pray. I will pray for everybody I know. And there were a couple nights when it, the pain was so bad and the night was so long, I actually did it. I started local, I started right there in the Czech Republic, and I prayed through our town and our school and our church. I spent, I don't know how long, but I got through every kid in our school I could remember. And I prayed, I prayed for everybody that I know. And there are a lot of people right here, I prayed for you that night. And um, that happened about twice in the hospital. And it was hard work, but it was good work. It was really good. So when I got out of the hospital, I thought, how can I capture that fire? 
I don't know if I can pray for everybody I know all night. Maybe there are saints who've done that in their lives. Um, that seems like a one-off for Paul Till. But I thought, I, I'm going to try, try something similar. I'm going to set aside more time in the morning, and I'm going to divide up the world into uh, folks I know in the Midwest, East Coast, Europe, um, different issues. And Monday through Friday, I will try to get up early enough, and I will pray for everybody I know in that region. Well, that was really hard to do. Um, it was hard because it take, took a lot of time. And of course, you need to be somewhere, somewhere where you're not going to be distracted. Um, I took to running a lot to do that prayer time. Um, <laughs> once again, I had to learn to run without this, without podcasts, without music. So I would go off on the run without that. And um, I, would, I would try to pray through everybody I knew at North Sub. Uh, usually that was Tuesdays. I would try to pray everybody at our school another day. Um, and that, that was really hard work, but I was doing that really well for a while. Uh, that worked really well. There were a couple things that ended that experiment. Um, one was very strange. I wonder if you've ever experienced this. I know this was good work. I know it was good to pray like that for the people that people God had put on my heart. And yet sometimes, even the night before, I would feel this, this kind of darkness creep in. Like, oh man, tomorrow morning I gotta get up early and I gotta pray for all those. Well, and, and I'm gonna tell you perfectly honestly, it was usually the kids in my school. It would be the night before, be like, oh, I'm gonna pray for the school tomorrow morning. Sometimes I'd, I'd ease the blow for myself and I'd, I'd get a few names in the night before, and then early in the morning I'd get up and I'd say, hey, I've already got halfway through, all right. Now, isn't that strange? What's going on in this strange brain of mine? Isn't it a privilege to pray? Isn't it a joy to pray? And yet, after doing this for a number of weeks, I found myself feeling like it was a, it was a burden in some cases. It, there was a darkness about it. Why on earth was that? Where would that come from? I think I have two answers to where that came from that darkness, that sense of burden. I wonder if you've ever experienced it. I wonder if you've set yourself to pray more, to pray more, more regularly, more powerfully, and then a kind of, kind of darkness has crept in and made it harder and harder for you to pray. Let's think about that, and I'm going to get back to that. I think I, I, think I have some answers. Uh, after a while, I stopped that amazing run of five days a week, praying through everybody that God put on my heart, and I'm now in a new chapter. I'm trying something new. I still uh, do a lot of praying when I'm running, and I still don't listen to music, don't listen to podcasts while I'm running, and I'll go out and I'll pray. And now I'm trying something different. I'm trying to pray free form. I'll start off, uh, when I say, did I say run? <laughs> Trot. Uh, it's not very impressive looking, but I, you know, I'm, I'm moving around. Uh, and I will pray free form. I'll start off maybe with the Lord's Prayer. And then I'll say, Lord, just guide my heart as I pray. I'm gonna, this whole run is for you. I'm going to be praying through this run, but I don't know where you're going to take me. I will pray for the people that you put on my heart. Let's do it that way. Uh, something that helps me through that, and um, I don't know if this would work for you or not, um, but I do believe in the supernatural gifts of the Spirit for today. And I believe God gave me the gift of speaking in tongues. Um, not in a public meeting, that's a different kind of gift, but it's something that I will use, um, some people use the phrase a private prayer language. 
um, please remember that the Holy Spirit gives gifts as he pleases. There are many different gifts, and he gives them diversely to the diverse brothers and sisters in his congregation. So I'm not, I'm not saying you all have to be like me. In fact, there are a couple spiritual gifts that I don't have that I wish I had. If I had, for example, the word of knowledge, I'll bet I'd be a much more effective prayer. I think the Lord gave me this gift, the gift of speaking in tongues, because I'm ADHD. Because, um, did you ever see the movie Up with the dogs that are talking? That's an amazing thing. And then suddenly they see a squirrel and they go to the other. That's very much like me. So I might be jogging and I'll be praying for you and then I'll see a Starbucks or, well, not in the Czech Republic, but I'll see, a, I'll see a, something interesting and I'll just, my mind will go. And I've discovered that praying, praying in tongues is a way for me to commune without the distractions, especially without the distractions of my own intellect, spirit to spirit. You might, you might ask if the Lord has something for you, something more in the spirit that's his choice for you as a gift. Now, of course, that means that not only do I look like a silly old man trotting along, but sometimes I'm speaking out loud. And so I try to make these runs early in the morning in the woods. <laughs> and uh, right now, this, 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 this is working all right for me, but you can see that there's some disadvantages because I'm no longer going through a list. It's no longer complete. Those, those are some things that have been happening to me in the last couple of years. Let's get back to that darkness, that resistance. What could it have been? What is it, even today, that brings a darkness or a heaviness to my heart when I think about going to prayer? Why would that be? I'd like to tell you another story. This story happened when I was about four or five years old. My dad had a Saturday off. He was a very busy businessman, and he wanted to spend Saturday morning with me. The first thing he wanted to do was take me to a park because it was early in the morning, and he wanted to show me the beauty of this park. So we stood out on this dock, and he was holding my hand so I wouldn't fall off. And I was like, I was like four or five years old, so I didn't really appreciate it, but that was okay. And then my dad said, um, now we can do whatever we like today. We're going to be together today. What would you most like, he said to me. I was about four or five years old. I really loved matchbox cars. And so it was perfectly natural for me to say, I would like you to take me to the toy store and buy me a matchbox car. He flew into a rage. He said, that's not what I'm talking about. We get to spend the day together. How can you be asking for toys? And he put me in the car and he drove me home. Now, um, that, was, that was a really frightening event for me as a little kid. I think um, my dad had needed to learn some things about how to be a dad, just as I do. I really need, I need to learn some things about how to be a dad. When we fathers make mistakes, they do last, don't they? They make an imprint. And I learned, or I thought I learned something that, that, that morning, which is my dad has some expectations for me. He says he wants to spend time with me. He has some expectations for me. And when I said what I really wanted, I failed. I didn't meet his expectation. I disappointed him. I made him angry. And that stuck with me as I'll bet similar things have stuck with you. If you think back to when you were little, your parents weren't perfect. I'm not a perfect parent. None of us are. And when we make those mistakes, when we lose our temper, it, it does stick. 
I also am learning to be a better father right now. And when my son Patrick says, Dad, do you want to get up at 6.30 in the morning and see what's special to me? I say, yes, I'll go. Skateboarding, sure, I'll try it, because I long to be with you. I've got four kids, three adult kids, one teenager. Each of them has been able to give me that gift, and you can bet, as a dad, I embrace that moment. Paul Hugh is with us today, and um, with his wife, Christy. Paul Hugh has a passion. He loves to make uh, board games, and he has designed a really professional-level board game. Uh, the other day, he wanted to hang out with two uh, Czechs about his age in their 20s and um, spend the day testing his game. And he asked if me, the old guy, would come along. What do you think I said? Oh, I'm much too... I don't want to speak Czech with a bunch of young people all after it. Of course I said yes. I would love to be a part of what's special to you and the friends that are special to you. I don't care if I don't understand their Czech and, and if it's all way above my head. I love to spend time with you. And now Paul, Hugh, and Christy are, are, are planting a church in our area, planting a new church. And if they ever say, would you like to come and share the scripture with our new congregation, I would love to be a part of what is special to you. That's on your heart, it's on my heart too, because I'm your dad. Recently, my daughter, Lucy Rose, got into, um, uh, she created a club called the Zine Club, and every month she printed a magazine with different kinds of just wonderful, creative ideas for every, every edition. And one time she said, Dad, would you like to co-author one of these with me? Oh my goodness, I almost cry when I think about my daughter inviting me into a creative project with her. Um, some of you saw Isaac, I guess he's, he's down with the teenagers now. He's a teenager. He does not often say, Daddy, would you like to be with me? <laughs> Daddy, would you come into my world? <laughs> it's much, much, much the opposite. But when it was his birthday last month, I took him shopping at a shopping mall. I have a bit of a shopping weakness. And uh, as we passed a really exciting new store, I said to Isaac, okay, you're my accountability partner. I do not need any new shirts. I will not buy any shirts, but I just want to go into the store and look, okay? So the two of us went into the store and looked, and I just, oh, look at that. Oh, I promised I'm not buying a shirt. And then Isaac said, Dad, look at that T-shirt right over there. You know, my T-shirt, the one I'm wearing right there, that's exactly the same. Dark blue stripes, dark red stripes. If you bought that, we would be twins. Dad, I give you permission to break your promise. I bought that thing so fast, and I changed, and I was my son's twin, because that's, that's just my passion as a dad, to be there with my kids. When we come to prayer, often we think about our Heavenly Father, like me on the dock, making a mistake, talking about the Matchbox cars. When we come to prayer, we often think, God expects something of us, and I'm not, make, I'm not matching up. My prayer life doesn't match up. God expects me to ask for exactly the right thing and guess and get it right. And if, he, if I don't, if I don't say it right and if I don't do it right, he's going to reject me. That was real for me. I was rejected that morning. You've experienced rejection, so you know what it feels like. And I would like to tell you that the opposite is true, that your heavenly Father loves you with the same, not the same, a hundred times greater passion than I love my kids. I'm just, I'm just a human father, 
but I would love to spend any moment my kid would give with me. Your heavenly father would love to spend any moment that you would like to give to him. Here are three things that I hope that you would understand. Maybe you understand all of them, or maybe one will be new for you this morning. The first one is really basic. Can we just agree, God is our Heavenly Father? I don't know if that's clear for everyone here, so could I, could I lay it out for you, please? There has been a disaster in the family of God. There has been a terrible breaking up, terrible relationships, and it was our fault. So really, we... Our status as his loved, beloved children would be in jeopardy, except that he did something about it. In his great love for his children, he has healed what was wrong. He has cleaned up the mess. He has redeemed us because he sent his son to die for us. And Jesus' death on the cross, Jesus' blood shed on the cross, gives each one of us the opportunity, the right, says John, the right to be the children of God. You have the right to be children of God if you have faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God who died on the cross for our sins, for your sins, for my sins. Each one of us here can get that straight. We are children of God. He is our heavenly Father. Jesus died for you and rose again to make that possible for you. The next question is, what kind of a father is he exactly? Like, what kind of a father? He's the kind of father who is in the story of the prodigal son. Do you remember this story? There's a father with two sons. One son comes and says, give me, give me my share of the inheritance, and I'll go and do what I want with it. The son went off. The father gave freely. The son went off, messed up badly, decided he was a reprobate, and came back miserable to offer himself, not as a son, but as a slave to his father. But the father was waiting. The father saw him from a distance. The father raced out to meet him. The father lavished on him all the good things that he didn't deserve, but he, he just wanted because of his love as a father, a ring and new clothes and a feast. That is the kind of father that we have. Some of you know that for a very long time, I did a search for my biological mother. I'm a, an adopted child, and it took about 10 years. And in 2015, I was able to meet my biological mother for the first time. And I was terrified. I've never been so afraid as an adult. And at the day that we met, uh, I, was, I was practically shaking as I walked into the hotel room where we had arranged to, for the meeting. And all she did was she reached out her arms and she enveloped me in her arms and she, she just hugged me and we started to cry together. She said, thank you for finding me. I love you. Thank you for finding me. No fear. Don't have any fear. Ask me anything you want. We, we then went to a cafe. We talked for five hours. She told me the story of, of, of my, my birth name, which was not Paul Till. She told me where it came from, all that stuff. Um, and I, I received such a gift. Now, this is just a bunch of humans Imagine this is true. It is true for you that your heavenly parent has been seeking for you, 
knows your secret name because it was designed, it has a special meaning. You were designed, you were, you were given a special meaning and wants to welcome you and say, no fear, you're mine, I'm so glad to, we can be together. We also need to get straight what kind of a father he isn't. He is not the kind of father that says, well, you messed up, so you're done. And this time, I, I would, if you have a Bible, I'd like you to turn with me to a passage to see something. This would be in the book of James. Would you please turn with me to James chapter 1? James chapter 1, we'll do verse 17 first. James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. The beginning of that verse tells us what kind of a father he is. He's the father of lights. Spectacular. Every good gift comes from him. And the end of the verse tells us what he's not like. He is not, there is no variation or shadow of turning. What does that phrase mean to you? Could you meditate on it for a minute? Shadow of turning. What does that mean for you? I'll tell you what it means for me. It means me on the dock with my, with my dad. Ooh, maybe I'm going to have a good time with my dad. I think he loves me. I think, he's, I think we're going to have some fun today. No, you weren't good enough. That to me is a picture of a shadow, the shadow of turning. There is no variation or shadow of turning with him. Here's a specific example that James gives, and it's in verse 5 of the same chapter. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally. That's what kind of a father he is. Gives to all liberally and without reproach. So... You're asking for something, and you're like, oh, I'm probably asking for the wrong thing, or he's too busy, or without reproach. He's a father that loves to hear your requests and your questions. So I believe the secret to me being a better prayer warrior, to me praying without ceasing, is to just, just free myself up and stop thinking, Paul, you're not meeting expectations. Paul, you're not, you're not good enough. Get a new system. I think I need to free myself up and just remind me of, of, of how my kids make me feel. I love spending every minute with them. And maybe the Heavenly Father does too. Now there's somebody here, maybe there are many of you here, who are going to just add a note here. And you're going to say, yes, thank you, Paul. I have been praying for something for weeks or for years, and I've had no answer or a no answer. Paul, I have been in pain. This pain is continuing. And thank you for telling me about our Heavenly Father. But that Heavenly Father has not yet answered my prayer. And it really hurts. And I'm not sure that Heavenly Father is quite the way you say he is. I, I am sure there are people here who are experiencing a pain or a disappointment deeper than any that I've experienced. So I really respect that. And I will not tell you that it's, that I know, that it's, I know exactly how it's going to work out. I will ask you a question. You who are in pain, are you allowed to say this in prayer? 
Are you allowed to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Are you allowed to say that in prayer? I would like to suggest that you are. Our Lord did it on the cross. He did not do it out of bitterness and spite, but he did it because it was real. That was a real prayer. I would also point out that he was echoing words in Psalm 22, and I would commend that to you, because that's how Psalm 22, written by David, starts out. Our Father is a Father who can hear and take and receive that prayer. So I would commend to you what our Lord did. Uh, in a couple minutes, I'm going to finish up. I would encourage you to write me, write me a question. This, I'm so excited about this. I think this is a great thing that North Sub does. So I am primed and ready to go. So just check. Do you have the phone number written on the paper? I encourage you to write me a question. And I encourage you to set yourself free and try something new because you are free and because you are loved. Try something new in your prayer life. Ask, ask for a new gift from the Holy Spirit. Ask for, ask for anything. He's our Heavenly Father. And turn with me one more time to a book in the New Testament. Turn with me to Romans, please. Please turn with me to Romans chapter 8. We should be asking for more of the Spirit, not just for the supernatural gifts, but for there's something much more important, I think. Ask for gifts that the Spirit has for all of us. We know these gifts are for all of us. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Thank you. That's my whole deal. Sometimes I just don't know. I'm weak. The Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now go back with me to verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again. You are free. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. This is why you need the spirit, because the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Amen.